This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Class Podcast. Together, we are learning how to make marriage and love better. As you fix up a house, there is a temptation to compare what you're doing with others. This can create a problem which we call keeping up with the Joneses, meaning that you do things or buy things that you cannot afford just because someone else does it or has it. Moreover, comparing your marriage to others can create similar problems. Join the Fixer Upper Marriage class as we learn how to avoid these keeping up problems in your marriage. For detailed show notes, including links and references, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash compare. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, consider leaving feedback on our website or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. So here it is, how and why you should avoid comparing your marriage to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 10. For his letters say they are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such an one think this, that such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commit themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. And verse 14, For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reach not unto you, for we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ. This morning, our title of our lesson is How and Why You Should Avoid Comparing your, ma- your Marriage to Others. How and Why You Should Avoid Comparing Your Marriage to Others. You know, as you fix up a house, there's this temptation to compare what you're doing with other people. And maybe we've all experienced this to some extent to another. We call it keeping up with the Joneses, right? It's something that we do. Maybe our neighbor has a new front porch and we think, man, I really need to have. And we see it a lot in the cars, right? I mean, they got a brand new car. Now I've got to keep up. I have to have what they have. And maybe when you're fixing up a house, that's something that you run into. And you get yourself in a lot of financial problems too, can't you, right? You realize you need a little bit bigger house and you, your friend, they get a bigger house and it's a really, really big house, right? And you're thinking, man, I really need a really, really big house. I mean, I need that extra bedroom, but I'd love to have the extra two bedrooms and the bonus room and the game room, right? And so we get ourselves in a financial mess by trying to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. And you can really get yourself in trouble that way. You know, you can get yourself in trouble in your marriage in the same way. You know, you start comparing yourself with someone else and you can really get yourself in a mess. So number one, why and how you should avoid comparing your marriage to others. Number one, what you are comparing to may not be real. What you are comparing your marriage to may actually not be a thing at all. It may not be real. Here's a few facts to consider that I looked up as I studied. In late 2017 and 2018, Facebook discovered and suspended, wait for it, 1.3 billion fake Facebook accounts. And in the process, they admitted to at least 66 million more that they probably could not 
detect. Estimates are that 9 to 15 percent of 336 million Twitter accounts are fake. In December 2017, German intelligence warned that Chinese agents were using LinkedIn accounts, profiles to target government employees. The Israeli military discovered that Hamas was using Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp profiles to try to get their soldiers to, to, to click and, and infect their computers with malware. You can find these facts. They'll be in our notes when I get it posted online at fixeruppermarriage.org slash compare. You will be able to see a link where you can find even more statistics and facts about how there are so many fake accounts on social media. Social media actually allows you to shape your own persona. You can control what other people see about your life. Everybody's looking for an Instagram moment, right? They're looking for this Instagram moment that they can post and everybody can see. You know, even vacation spots. Now people pick vacation spots now because, or maybe it's not something they technically want to, to do, but it's because they want to have a, a place that they can have good Instagram photos. And you see it online. You see it on the news. We're at the Grand Canyon now. They're hanging off a cliff and taking a, an Instagram photos because they want you to see, they want this, their moment, their life to be seen in a way that everybody else wants to. It's like they maybe want to make you jealous of what they're experiencing. According to travelagent.com, 36% of millennials, that's people age 18 to 34, admit to having attempted to deceive people on social media about their vacation destination, giving a false picture of what their vacation is like. And so what I'm, I'm trying to tell you that what you see is not necessarily what's actually happening. What we're comparing our marriage to may not be a thing at all. That person that you're jealous of, that they have this incredible marriage, it may not actually exist. I mean, you see how easy it is. And social media just accentuates something that already exists. For example, I was recently made aware of a prayer request. And someone told me that I needed to pray for someone else, that they had gotten out of church and they were not living for the Lord. And this particular person I follow on social media, I said, you've got to be kidding me. I see this person all the time in church with their church clothes on and, and they're at church events and church functions. And no, they haven't been to church in weeks and months. This person is really away from the Lord. You see how they presented this persona that was not true. It wasn't accurate. If you don't watch it, you'll compare your marriage. You'll compare your life. You'll compare your situation to something that's not even reality at all. You know, prolonged viewing of social media posts can actually increase depression. It's like a proven thing. When they do all these studies, it increases the likelihood of you being depressed. According to a study funded by the National Institute of Mental Health published in 2016, Social media use significantly increases depression. You can find that. You can find that study. But we all know it's true, right? When you're scrolling down through there and you think, man, these people are having such a great time. I mean, look at how happy they are. Look at their man. Look at the, Look how happily married this person is. They never have any problems in their marriage. They never get in an argument. They never get in a fuss. Nothing ever goes wrong. Look at their vacation. Look where they get to go on vacation. Isn't this amazing? And before long, you start to think about how dull your life is and how you haven't been able to go on vacation or this, how we don't get along like we should sometimes or we have disagreements. And you start to think about those things and it causes significant increase in depression in your life. It makes you ask, where, when you see everybody else's bright and shining moments, where are my bright and shining moments? How come, how come I'm not experiencing this? And it causes Serious depression 
And when you compare your marriage, when you compare your marriage and you're living in the everyday now and now and you're trying to compare your marriage with the highlights of someone else's, there's a disaster waiting to happen. That's going to cause serious problems. You're going to get extremely depressed and discouraged in your marriage. That's one reason why you should avoid trying to compare your marriage to other people because what you're comparing it to may not be real. Your church persona, personas are not always real. If you've been in church, you've been saved for any length of time, you know that people just put on a certain persona in church, but it may not be really how they are. And when you compare your marriage to someone at church, it may not be exactly what you see is not actually what you're getting. You know, when we come to church, I always wear my best. I always try to put my best that I have on. When we come to church, we always want to look our best, right? We always want to have our best face on because this is our social group. These are the people that we interact with and we want everybody to think well of us. And maybe the persona sometimes that we put out is not actually what's really going on behind the scenes. You don't really know what someone's going through throughout the week. We don't see the struggles and the problems that we go through during the week. For example, as a child, I was privileged to know my great-grandmother, and she was the most spiritual person in church. I mean, I was really tiny, but I remember she was so pious. I mean, she was really pious. She was so spiritual that she would stop the ushers when they took up the offering so that everyone would see her give her tithe. I mean, she made this big show of it. But really, when we went to my great grandma's house, she really wasn't that spiritual after all. I mean, she really wasn't. I mean, she had those paintings of Jesus on the wall and all that, but she was not a very spiritual person at all. I mean, she she had some serious issues. I mean, she lied all the time. She over-exaggerated everything when I went to see her. And I was just a little kid. I remember thinking, she's so spiritual in church. But then when you go see her, she's something completely different. But that's the way it is. When we see people and we see their marriages and we're in church, we all put on our good, good game face, right? But it may not be exactly what's going on. We don't see the whole picture. And when you compare your marriage to other people, even as you see them in church, it may not be what you think it is. To some people, church is an opportunity to perform better than someone else. It's like a competition. It's like a performance to them. And therefore, they display something that's not realistic every day as you live your life. You never know what other people are going through. In our text, it seems like people were jealous of Paul. Seems like they were trying to be critical of him. What they were trying to say is, yeah, he's talking all tough in this letter. But when he comes to see us, he's not going to be this way. And Paul says, hey, I'm going to tell you right now, when I do come to see you and you do see me in person, I'm going to be the same way. But people were critical of him. And you consider the when we think about what we know about Paul, and we could look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He didn't talk a whole lot about the things he experienced, but when he did, when we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, all the, all the things that he experienced, all the suffering, all the things that went wrong in his life, all the things he had to go through for the gospel's sake. You know what? He wasn't somebody to be jealous of. He wasn't somebody that you needed to be, people should have even been critical of at all. But you never know what people are actually going through. The truth is, there's things that you're not being told. There are things that you don't know about. There are things that we all go through every week, and that's why we shouldn't compare ourselves to one another. 
On October 12, 2014, the world was awakened to the news that a man who was known as the funniest man ever, Robin Williams, had taken his own life. What a shock that was when I heard that. It was so shocking. He's such a funny person. He was in all these movies, and he's always been so funny. He was a stand-up comic. How could somebody that got so much, seemed like he said so much joy that makes so many people laugh, and then we find out that he took his own life? It was, we don't see the whole picture. We don't see everything. You never know what people are going through. It is therefore not wise, in the words of Scripture, to compare yourself with other people. It is not wise to compare your marriage to other people's marriages. Hearsay is not always accurate. You know what people say about other people is not always the truth. At at its best, you're getting half the story. I don't know if you've ever been involved with a situation like this. I have been there where something was said about me and it wasn't true. It was maybe a half truth. Maybe some of it might have been true. At its very best, it was half truth. The hearsay is not always accurate, and sometimes you hear about how good someone's marriage is, and maybe they talk about how great their marriage is, or maybe you've heard of some things, and you just think, man, I wish I was like them. You know, comparing yourself to them may not be an accurate picture of what they really are. Hearsay is not always accurate. You know, it's not fair to your marriage to compare what other people, what someone's saying about someone else's marriage. It's not fair for you to compare what you're going through in your marriage to what someone else is saying about somebody else's marriage. It's not a fair comparison. What people think about you or say is not important. It's not as important as what you actually do. And we see this in the life of the Apostle Paul. Number two, everyone is different. Everyone is different. In verse number 13, the Bible says, but we will not boast of things without our measure. Paul said, I'm not going to boast about things that I don't have. I'm not going to boast about things that I don't have in my life. There are generational differences. You know, historians refer to baby boomers, right? Those people that were born after World War II. And then there's Generation X. It's people with no really specific defining event. You know, there were several things that happened, but nothing really particular that stood out. And then there's a millennial generation, right? They're defined by the turn of the century. And now they're starting to say, There's now a Generation Z, and they're the little kids yet that don't have anything to define them yet. And this can clearly be seen in the technology today. You know, my mother, bless her heart, is not good with technology at all. One of my sisters got her uh, tablet, and she struggles with that thing so much. I mean, sometimes she'll call with all these questions, what am I going to do? And I think finally one of the siblings has got her set up where the things that she does are real simple on there. So what little bit of things that she does are really, really easy to get to. And so she doesn't call us all the time. But she has such trouble with technology. Meanwhile, my five-year-old can pick up my smartphone and get into it. I even put one of those, one of those patterns on there. You know, you can lock your phone with a pattern now. I even, okay, okay, this is a pattern that I can remember is going to keep the kids from getting to my phone. And also other people. I mean, it's a safety thing. My five-year-old figured out the pattern. I mean, she was sitting beside me one day. She grabbed my phone and she just did my pattern. I said, how did you figure that out? What are you doing? And then my Amazon account. I'm constantly calling Amazon. I did not buy this. I didn't rent that. I did not, I did not order this book. I did not order this ebook. 
And it's something for kids. And I have this sneaking suspicion that my little five-year-old has figured out how to order things on Amazon. And I don't know how to fix that. Maybe there's some kind of lock you can put on it. She'll probably figure out that if I figure. I mean, kids are so smart today. They are so good with technology. But there's a generational difference, and we can see it. As this relates to marriage, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the median age of marriage is now for men is now 30, and women is 28. My parents have been married for over 50 years. They have an amazing love story. You know how old they were when they got married? My dad was 17. My mom was 13. Now the average age is 30 and 28. It's a generational thing. You, I can't compare my relationship to my mom and dad. It was totally different back then. My mom was 13. It was a totally different time. We can't compare to that. There are generational differences. Everyone is different. I was married at 20, I think I was 27. I've been married almost 15 years. And I thought, man, I'm such a late bloomer. Now that I see these statistics, maybe I wasn't after all. You know, 28 is the median age. Hey, I got married young. I got married early. So this can be seen in our priorities. You know, but maybe when I was thinking when I was growing up, I, I need to finish school. Right? I wasn't thinking about getting married. Then I need, you know, maybe I need to get a college career. I need to start thinking about what I want to do about a career. And then, you know what? I need to get a house. I need to get a place to stay. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it's something about priorities. Maybe that's changed over the years. But everybody's different. Every situation is different. Everyone is different. There are generational differences. Everyone has a different path. In my 20s, I started teaching my first Sunday school class, and my pastor asked me, and I was a little bit nervous about it, but it was, I think it was either junior high or high school boys. And David Viers was one of the students in that class. He was one of the first people that I ever taught. And see, he isn't here. You can tell him that I talked about him today. But he was one of the first students I taught. And guess what? Everybody got handouts. Everybody had homework. Some, some things never changed. Of course, they didn't have, I didn't know about the Internet then. I didn't know about podcasting, about a website. But if I did, I'd probably been all over it, right? I still did the same thing, but I always taught. It's something that I always said, and I said it to them, and I've always said it. If you wait on God, God will give you his best. I always said that. And as I've taught other people, as I've preached, I've always said, if you wait on God, God will give you his best. And sometimes I've had to wait on God. And in marriage, that was something for me. You know, all my friends, it seemed like we're married. I'm like, y'all all are married. Why am I not married? What's up with this? And, and then, but I waited and God gave me his best. But I've always taught that. What I'm saying is everybody has a different path. I'm not saying it wasn't God's will for my friends or my buddies in school to get married before me. But God just had a different path for me. And everybody has a different path. God has a unique path for you. And he has a unique path for your marriage. And it's unfair for you. And it's unfair for you it's unfair to God for you to compare yourself to other people's marriages. You know what? Everybody's different. Everybody's unique. God may want you to suffer some things that other people don't have to suffer because he has a different path for you. He has a different plan for you. So there's a danger in comparing your marriage with other people's marriages. As a Christian, we know that all things work for a purpose, right? They're all for a plan. And it's to make us uniquely qualified to do his will. We see that in Romans 8. 28, one of my favorite Bible verses, by the way. But God has given the institute of marriage so that we can work through our problems together. Now, maybe you're, as you struggle 
Through certain areas of life, you work together, you're committed to one another, and you work together to solve those problems, and God uses that to accomplish his will. God gives us principles to live by in marriage. Everybody's different. And we can see this in the principles that God gives us in marriage. In my opinion, they are some principles in the Bible that are purposely vague. God doesn't give us a commandment about everything, especially about marriage. I mean, there's just so many questions that you might have. And there's not a specific thou shalt not or thou shalt about certain things in marriage. There's some things I think God just wanted them to be vague for a reason. It's because everybody is different. Everybody's situation is a different is a different than one another. And what God does is he gives us principles in his word to live by. He says, make sure you're within these bounds. Make sure whatever you do is within these principles. And if you do that, then I will bless you. God gives us these principles of his word to live by. And so we apply these principles to our marriage. You know, God does not have a cookie cutter mentality. We do sometimes, don't we? We're independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, missionary supporting, whatever adjectives we want to put on there. We want to cookie cut every situation and it makes it easy for us to understand, right? But sometimes the principles that God gives us, sometimes the situations that we face are unique to us. They seem to be unique, and it's because God has made it that way. But he gives us these principles. He says, solve your problems together, but stay in these bounds. Stay within these guidelines, and you'll be safe, and I will bless what you're doing. Wisdom is found in discovering his principles and applying them personally to your marriage. Number three, you have a mission to focus on. Don't compare yourself with other marriages. Don't compare your marriages with someone else because you have a mission. God has given you a mission to focus on. The standard for marriage is, guess what? Christ and the church. God didn't set up the standard to be someone else. God didn't set up the standard to be a particular person or someone that you should look to or a marriage that you should identify with. What our standard is, what our goal is in marriage is to be like Christ in the church. And this is something that we can't accomplish. Right? We can't be like exactly like Christ in the church. It's like a goal that we're always reaching for, right? And that puts everybody on this playing field. We're all trying to get to this goal. It's to be like Christ in the church. Listen to this, Ephesians chapter 5. You know these verses. For the husband is to have the wife, even as Christ is to have the church. And he's the savior of the body. Therefore, the church is subject unto Christ. So let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. There is no one who can reach that goal, but our focus should be on that goal. So God has given us as a couple, as a married couple, this incredible mission to be like Christ in a church. But marriage is really about the gospel. And we talked about it so much. Marriage is about the gospel. You are a living example of the gospel as a couple every day. An example to a lost and a dying world that is watching you. An example to kids who, by the way, are lost and dying. And God gave us the kids that we have so we can teach them about, guess what? Not about sports, not about our favorite team, but about the gospel of Jesus Christ, about living as a Christian. God has given us the resources of the gospel to reach the world as a couple. What you do every day should be to advance the light of the gospel in a dark world. The way we live, the choices we make should be to advance his gospel. Paul said, I don't measure my life with any measure except the gospel of Jesus Christ. In conclusion, how and why you should avoid comparing your marriage to others. Number one, because what you are comparing may not be real. Number two, 
Because everyone is different. And number three, you have a mission to focus on. God has something amazing planned for your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you so much for the privilege it is to be in your house and open up the Bible and to learn from the pages of Scripture how to live our lives and how to be happily married and how to fulfill our mission that you've given us in this world to be an example to this to a lost and dying world, the gospel of Jesus Christ that you bled and died for the sins of everyone. It's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Lord, I pray that you'd help our marriages to be an example of that. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.